Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning. My name is Jack and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Roots Fiscal 2020 First Quarter Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question during this time, simply press star then the number 1 on your telephone keypad. If you'd like to withdraw your question, please press the pound key. On the call today, we have Megan Roach, Chief Executive Officer, Mona Kelly, Chief Financial Officer, and Kristen Davies, Head of Investor Relations for Roots. Before the call begins, the company would like to remind listeners that the call, including the Q&A portion, may include forward-looking statements about current and future plans, expectations and intentions, results, levels of activities, performance, goals or achievements, or any other future events or developments. This information is based on management's reasonable assumption and beliefs in light of information currently available to Roots, and listeners are cautioned not to place undue reliance on such information. Each forward-looking statement is subject to risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected. The company refers listeners to its fiscal 2020 first quarter management's discussion and analysis and or its annual form, Information form dated May 29, 2020. For a summary of the significant assumptions underlying forward-looking statements and certain risks and factors that could affect the company's future performance and ability to deliver on these statements, Roots undertakes no obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements made on this call. The fiscal 2020 first quarter and year-end earnings release the related financial statements, and the management's discussion and analysis are available on SIDAR, as well as on the Roots Investor Relations website at www.investors.roots.com. Finally, please also note that all figures discussed on this conference call are in Canadian dollars, unless otherwise stated. Thank you. Ms. Davies, you may begin your conference. Thank you, Operator. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Megan Roach, our Chief Executive Officer, will briefly discuss our fiscal 2020 first quarter performance, including the impacts of COVID-19 on the Roots business, as well as our strategic outlook. Then, she will turn the call over to Mona Kennedy, our Chief Financial Officer, who will discuss our financials in greater detail, after which we will open up the call for questions. However, before turning the call to Megan, I wanted to take a moment to congratulate her on behalf of the entire Roots team on her appointment as CEO. Thank you, Kristen, and good morning, everyone. I hope your families are all safe and that you're managing through these difficult times as best you can. I'm excited to be taking on the role of CEO at Roots. In the months that I've spent with the company, it has become increasingly apparent to me that we really have something special. Roots is a strong brand with a great heritage, a loyal customer base, and an incredibly creative, passionate, and dedicated team. I look forward to continuing to work with everyone to deliver long-term success to the brand. Before I turn to our first quarter results, I felt it was important to speak about the protests we are seeing globally against racism as a result of the recent devastating events. I would like to express our strong support for the black community, our employees, our partners, 
our customers, our friends, and our loved ones. I want you to know that we at Roots stand with you today and always in solidarity against racism, injustice, and oppression. I also understand that words are not enough, and we are committed to showing our support through action. We have already commenced new internal training and education, established new diversity and inclusion programs, and we are learning and listening to those in our community to understand how we can help to build a better future where those amongst us are not judged by the color of their skin. At this time, with the world also facing a global pandemic, we, like many brands, have been challenged in completely new ways. Across the company, our team has gone above and beyond to support the business, each other, and our communities. And I want to express my gratitude to the team for all their hard work. Prior to the onset of COVID-19, we were entering fiscal 2020 with renewed excitement. We introduced new products within our lifestyle category that were demonstrating strong sell-throughs, and a relaunch of our archived RBA logo successfully tapped into the nostalgia of our longtime Roots fans, driving good performance of these products in our men's, women's, and kids' segments. However, we began seeing the effects of COVID-19 on our business early on in the quarter. Initially, we saw supply chain disruptions and a slowdown in our partner operations in Asia. However, by mid to late February, as the COVID-19 virus spread across North America, our in-store traffic and sales charged slow. Subsequently, to protect the health and safety of our team and our customers, we announced the temporary closure of our entire North American store fleet in our leather factory on March 17th, only seven weeks into the 13-week quarter. At the time, we also made the difficult decision to temporarily lay off our store and leather factory employees. In Asia, our partner closed seven stores in China and reduced hours across the remainder of its fleet in China, Hong Kong, and Taiwan. While all stores were reopened in China during the quarter, and our partner operations opened a new store in each of China, Taiwan, and Hong Kong, retail traffic trends remained below pre-pandemic levels in all three regions. With our stores temporarily closed in North America, we swiftly increased our focus on our e-commerce business, supporting our partner operations in Asia, and our B2B licensing and wholesale partnerships. Fortunately, Greece is a brand known for comfort, and as businesses shifted to work from home models, and individuals changed their habits, we benefited from higher demand for our extensive sweats offering in our online channel. To capitalize on this demand, we created a new sweats-focused section of our website, extended our returns policy, and launched an online personal shopping program. We also shifted our brand storytelling towards work from home and at-home comfort. Of note, for the six weeks our stores were closed in the quarter, normalizing for the impact of non-com promotions, online sales were up more than 200% year-over-year. To support online order fulfillment, we continue to operate our distribution center with strict cleaning protocols and social distancing measures in place. Further, now that we are operating with a single inventory for both e-commerce and retail, we've been able to leverage inventory initially intended for retail stores to meet increasing online demand in key categories, which has helped with inventory management. During the quarter, we also repurposed our leather factory in accordance with appropriate health and safety guidelines to produce non-medical face masks, and we are donating a portion of the proceeds. As Mona will discuss in greater detail shortly, with our retail stores driving the vast majority of our sales, we experienced a meaningful year-over-year decline in top-line performance in Q1. However, through cost reduction measures, the benefit of the Canadian government wage subsidy, and improved DTC gross margins, we were able to partially mitigate the bottom line impact. As we have started to slowly see provinces reopen, we have begun the gradual reopening of our stores. In each case, when deciding when to reopen, we are focused on government and health authority guidelines, facilities readiness, and team and employee readiness. As of today, we have 74 of our 116 stores open, all of which are operating under increased health and safety protocols. The health and safety of our Roots community continues to be our number one priority. As the situation evolves, we will remain agile and ready to modify our processes to provide a safe store environment for everyone. While we have reopened many of our stores as an omnichannel retailer, 
We have the ability to support our customers however they want to shop with us, whether that is online, in-store, or a combination of both. We are also now offering curbside pickup at select locations for those interested in this new service. Navigating the past few months has undoubtedly been challenging for the team at Roots, and with the ongoing impact of COVID-19, we will likely continue to operate in a period of uncertainty for some time. However, we believe that we have a brand and product that will continue to resonate with consumers. We also have strong omnichannel capabilities, demonstrated by the resilience of our e-commerce business in the first quarter. In addition, we have a highly engaged and loyal customer base. In our most recent survey of 20,000 customers, we garden in a net promoter score of 77, which exceeds the average of most other retail businesses and brands. I'm confident that the hard work of the team and the steps we are taking will enable us to emerge from this period ready to capitalize on all the opportunities in front of us. As we look beyond COVID-19, we are focused on strengthening and building on these fundamentals to establish a solid platform in which to drive long-term growth. More specifically, we're focused on four key areas. The first is enhancing our understanding and focus on our target customer. While we have a good picture of our customer today, we need to deepen our understanding of them using the rich data we have on hand for our CRM platform. This will allow us to reshape our customer engagement and focus more precisely on our target segment. The second is creating brand love. Customers today associate with comfort and quality, with Swift acting as a core product category for the brand. We have an opportunity to refocus on brand building initiatives rather than promotional activities to engage our consumers, such as collaborations, special collections, and brand additive partnerships. The third is making irresistible products. While comfort and quality will always remain a primary focus at Roots, we have an opportunity to bring more innovation into our products while eliminating unproductive styles. We will be spending more time considering how our customers use our products in the design process and building on our existing leadership position in core categories. For example, we see an opportunity to further differentiate our sweats with different silhouettes and fabrications. Similarly, we see an opportunity to use our Canadian leather factory to act with greater agility, operating closer to market to take advantage of near-term trends in that segment. On that note, as you will have seen this morning, we announced that we're welcoming Karina Scheinfield to the role of Chief Product Officer. Karina comes to us with 20 years of product design and development experience across many global brands and multiple product categories. She's worked in leadership roles with numerous heritage brands and is a passionate and long-time fan of Roots. She's an excellent cultural fit, and we look forward to having her join the team in early July. The final piece we're focused on is enhancing our omnichannel experience. It is apparent that e-commerce will continue to play an increasingly important role in servicing our customers. While we have a robust omnichannel offering today, we need to further improve our customer experience to remain best in class amongst our peers. We've also seen an opportunity to optimize our retail footprint, including leveraging short-term retail pop-ups to capitalize on demand shifts and to build brand awareness. Underpinning all of these efforts is a commitment to operational excellence. In today's environment, it is imperative to make ROI-based investment decisions and to continue enhancing our operational efficiency to improve bottom-line results and to increase free cash flow generation. On that note, I will pass it to Mona to discuss the financial results of the quarter in greater detail. Thanks, Megan, and good morning, everyone. As Megan noted, with our temporary store closure, we saw a meaningful decline in our top-line results. Total sales were $29.9 million, down approximately 45%, from $54.4 million in Q1 2019. Our decline in store sales was slightly offset by stronger e-commerce performance, with us recording DTC sales of $24.6 million, down from $46.6 million in Q1 2019. Of note, while we have historically reported comparable sales growth as an additional metric to demonstrate the performance of our DTC business, given our stores were closed for nearly half of the quarter, we do not believe this is a representative metric at this time. We will continue to evaluate the relevance of comparable sales growth and expect to resume reporting the metric when it provides valuable incremental insights into the business results. 
On the partners and other front, sales were 5.3 million, down from 7.7 million in Q1 2019, primarily as a result of COVID-19 related declines in our partner operated Asia business. Quarter to quarter, our DTC gross margin was 58%, up 330 basis points from 54.7% in Q1 2019. Prior to the significant effects of COVID-19, we were executing on a plan to reduce promotional activity and drive more full price selling, the benefits of which we saw reflected in the quarter. In addition, with the move to a work-from-home model and increasing demand for comfort and sweat specifically, we also saw a shift in mix to our higher margin core products. However, it remains to be seen how the abrupt store closures across North America will impact overall promotional trends in the industry in the coming quarters. We recorded $27.8 million in selling general and administrative expenses for Q1 2020, down $10.4 million from $38.2 million last year. Some of our cost reductions are isolated to this quarter, while others we can carry forward to future quarters as ongoing partial offsets to the negative top-line impacts of COVID-19. In the quarter, we realized personnel cost savings related to temporary layoffs associated with the store closures, temporarily reduced board of director compensation as well as senior leadership team and head office salaries, growth salary increases and fiscal 2019 bonus payments, and reduced forward inventory purchases, minimized discretionary expenditures, and effectively halted capital spending. We also benefited from approximately $1.5 million in wage subsidies provided by the Canadian government. We continue to look for other areas of cost savings or offsets beyond what we achieved in the quarter. In terms of rent, while we didn't pay it in April, we recorded it for accounting purposes. We have been in ongoing discussions with our landlords and greatly appreciate the support we have received. At this point, in some cases, we have secured rental abatements and deferrals and in others, we continue to work toward a mutually agreeable outcome. As we're permitted to open more stores and we re-engage our store and leather factory teams back into the business, we will continue to leverage government support programs. And leaving no stone unturned, we will continue to work with our partners, suppliers, as well as service and logistics providers to identify further cost reductions. In terms of bottom line results, we recorded an adjusted EBITDA loss for the quarter of $7.5 million. This is compared to a loss of $6.2 million in Q1 2019, as our cost reduction measures in the quarter partially offset our year-over-year sales decline. Included in our Q1 2020 adjusted EBITDA is $2.1 million in losses related to seven U.S. stores we closed during the quarter, which compares to losses of $1.1 million in Q1 2019. Now, turning to inventory. Our inventory balance at the end of the quarter was $40.3 million, down $5 million compared to Q1 2019. This decline in inventory was due to us entering the period with a cleaner overall inventory position, and as I just noted, the closure of our seven U.S. stores. We have also taken steps to manage our inventory in response to COVID-19. We have reduced inventory buys, prioritizing key collections and product categories, and scaling back in others. We have shifted goods out into later quarters, we have also packed on our now holding key perennial favorites that we will put back on the floor when they are seasonally relevant again. We continue to carefully manage inventory. While we may face challenges in efficiently moving through certain more seasonally specific products, we believe the steps we have taken help de-risk our overall assortment. 
Managing our liquidity continues to be another important area of focus. At the end of Q1 2020, we have 47 million in unused borrowing capacity on our 75 million revolving credit facility and net cash of 5 million. We're also in compliance with our covenants. Although the current retail landscape is uncertain, we're identifying opportunities wherever we can and are pulling on the various triggers available to us when appropriate. We believe we're well positioned to continue to successfully navigate the challenges of the current environment and to thrive in recovery and beyond. To close, I wanted to echo Megan's sentiments and commend the team. Their hard work and commitment to the brand have been and continue to be vital to us successfully navigating this unprecedented retail environment. Operator, that concludes our prepared remarks. Please open the line to questions. Certainly. At this time, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Stephen McLeod with BMO Capital Markets. Your line is open. Oh, great. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. And, and Megan, congrats on, congratulations on your appointment. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to uh, start off with a couple things. Um, in terms of the SG&A uh, that you know was was down year over year, can you talk a little bit about what proportion of it was uh, you know you cited as isolated to the quarter versus what proportion of the savings can continue into future quarters? Uh, sure, I can take that question. Uh, good morning. Um, in terms of what portion of it is permanent and what's temporary into future quarters is going to be dependent on, you know, how the customers show up. We're going to do everything that we can to cut costs in future quarters to the extent that needed and, and pull on, uh, you know, the various uh, strengths that we have to manage our costs. Um, and the one thing that we had in the quarter that's one time is uh, the wage subsidy from the government uh, that will continue into Q2, but obviously not into Q3. Um, outside of that, uh, our wage savings that we've been realizing in the stores, we're managing to the extent that uh, we're seeing sales within the stores. Uh, we're managing our discretionary spending and we'll continue to do so. Um, and uh, we're working with our landlords on uh, rent savings, which we'll continue uh, to do so throughout Q2 and potentially throughout the balance of the year as well. Okay, okay, thank you. Um, and then can you just talk a little bit about uh, kind of what you've seen in, in your stores that have opened, uh, what kind of trends you've seen in terms of store traffic and sales, if you can provide that? Maybe I'll uh, Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. Um, um, <laughs> our, uh, so, you know, we, we opened up our first stores uh, mid-May, um, and it is still early days, and we're monitoring the sales very closely. Uh, we're seeing mixed results, uh, depending on where the customer is and what province, what city, uh, what location within the city, we're seeing mixed results. Um, we're obviously operating with strict protocols across uh, the uh, network. We're limiting the number of people that are in the store. Uh, but, you know, like everything uh, we've seen throughout this pandemic, it's, uh, it's affecting everybody differently, and uh, everything has been quite unpredictable. So we, we are continuing to do so as well. Um, and uh, it's uh, quite different by region as well. Um, and, uh, you know, the patterns that we're seeing in the early days may not be indicative of what we see in the long term. So we continue to monitor it, um, but mixed results. And uh, what we have been seeing across seen. the board is, uh, is that uh, the customers that are coming uh, in are coming in with uh, a purchase to intent, so our conversion rates are up um, across the board, which, which is uh, encouraging. You're okay, next. That's, oh, sorry. 
I, I'll, I'll go back in line. I'll go back in queue. Thank you. Brian Morrison with TD Securities. Your line is open. Hi, good morning. Um, Megan or Mona, could you please comment on the sustainability of your CapEx at the current levels and then maybe quantify the amount of deferred rent and the amount that could have been paid subsequent to quarter end, please? Uh, for sure, I'll take that. Um, so in terms of our capital spending, uh, we had cut down our capital spending coming into the year. We had plans of uh, lowering that substantially from prior years uh, as uh, we had to materially completed uh, all of the capital spending within our stores and also at the distribution center. Um, so we entered the year with lower plans and we have actually uh, lowered that throughout the years and uh, we're only spending capital on uh, what is absolutely necessary for the balance of this year. Um, from a rent perspective, uh, you know, our rent negotiations are still underway and have not been concluded. Um, our uh, landlords have been great partners throughout this entire process and continue to do so. Um, we didn't pay April rent, as we had mentioned within uh, our press release, um, uh, but, you know, what we actually end up with the landlords is, uh, is going to uh, be concluded over the coming months. Uh, we have been getting some deferrals and uh, some abatements so far, uh, but none of our negotiations with the large landlords have been concluded yet. Okay, maybe you can just take that one step further. If I look at working capital, which you did a fantastic job in in the first quarter in terms of managing it, maybe how can we think about that playing out? I'm not sure I really care necessarily by quarter, but I guess with the seasonality, just how we should think about it Q2, I guess, and then throughout the remainder of the year. Um, it's going to be a huge area of focus for us. Uh, we're going to continue to monitor closely on a daily, monthly, weekly uh, basis. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, how you can look at it into future quarters, I think you can assume that we're going to manage it in similar kind of effective ways if uh, sales uh, are continuing to come in as they are. Um, and uh, we're going to be nimble and agile and, uh, and manage that effectively. Okay. Maybe one question for Megan. So with the increase to e-com likely to remain a permanent shift, um, you made some comments on the Q4 call regarding, or pardon me, reviewing the, pardon me, you were reviewing the Canadian footprint. And I'm wondering if you can update us with respect to what you think the store count could look like by the end of 2020, or, or if you don't want to go into specifics, maybe just um, how you're viewing the Canadian footprint at this point in time. Sure, Absolutely. So as we're slowly starting to emerge from COVID-19, we're closely tracking the performance of our store, and we're modeling up multiple different growth scenarios. And we do expect e-commerce to remain a higher portion of sales going forward, and so this is going to impact how we think about our retail footprint in Canada longer term. But prior to COVID-19, 90% of our paying stores are profitable. So we're taking that into consideration as we assess the store footprint and just looking forward to figure out, you know, once we model a new different scenarios, um, what we think is the right store footprint for us to have in Canada and how we balance that off as an omni-channel retailer with our e-commerce business. Thank you. Stephen McLeod with BMO Capital Markets. Your line is open. Oh, thank you. Um, I just wanted to follow up with one one other question regarding uh, the appointment of your um, new chief product officer. Do you, are you able to give any color at this point as to um, you know uh, what potential changes you might be making or shifts you might be making in terms of uh, the the collection? You know, it's a bit. I think it's a bit early for us to get in, into exactly that, given that she uh, she's not started with us quite yet. Um, obviously, we've had a lot of conversations with her in advance of her appointment, and we are all you know very aligned in terms of the fact that you know sweats will continue to be a, a core portion of our collection. But I, you know, I'd like to give her a chance to sell herself into the business um, and get her herself in more engrossed in the product and the team before we, we come to the market and give an exact direction in terms of the products. 
Okay, that's great. Thank you. Janine Stitchter with Jeffries. Your line is open. Hi, good morning. Um, I'll talk a little about e-commerce. You've had really good growth there as the stores were closed. Wondering if you could comment on what you've seen uh, in May into June just as some of the stores reopen. It sounds like you're still seeing solid growth. But just curious if you could comment on the sustainability of that trend. Absolutely. So as we previously noted, um, I know the call is a bit fuzzy before, so just everyone heard it. Uh, in, the, in the six weeks after the stores closed, normalizing for the non-com promotions, e-commerce sales were up 200% year over year. And we're continuing to see a strong trend in e-commerce sales in May and June. Um, but we're monitoring that, how that trend develops based on the store reopening. So I would say as an omni-channel retailer, we continue to be encouraged by the fact that our customers are shopping us in whichever channel they feel most comfortable in, whether that's in-store or online. But just given the fact that we still have quite a few stores to reopen, we do anticipate seeing some shift back to the retail footprint once we have more of our store base open in the next coming weeks. Great, that's helpful. And then just on the promotional environment, uh, you know, it sounds like the promotions were very well controlled in the first quarter. I know it's really early to say, but anything you can say just so far as what you're seeing uh, with getting through some of the, the seasonal inventory and then the broader promotional environment, how that might impact uh, gross margin? Um, sure, yeah, I can take that question. You know, um, being able to kind of manage this upcoming promotional environment, we just have to be flexible and we need to monitor the industry and the market. Um, we have the opportunity to only have 30% of our product be seasonal product and the rest of it is perennial favorites and uh, enduring icons. So um, the seasonal product we're monitoring closely. The stores have opened up. We're moving through that inventory, uh, but obviously we've lost a couple of months of sales and it might take some time to get through it. Uh, we're going to stay flexible and uh, depending depending on what happens within the industry and uh, how the other uh, retailers react, we're going to um, change our uh, strategy. Great, thank you. Sabahat Khan with RBC Capital Markets. Your line is open. All right, thanks, and good morning. Um, just a question around the commentary you provided earlier on the rent expense. It seems like you likely expense the kind of the total rent for the quarter, correct me if I'm wrong, and then you know, as you get some of these uh, rent deferments or in some cases kind of just suspension of rent, how should we see that flowing through the financials? Sort of would it be a boost in some future quarters and or just understanding how the reversal of some of those, uh, the expense that you took now might work in future quarters? Um, for sure. I, I mean, obviously the reversals, we can do them as soon as we have contracts and negotiations finalized with the landlords. Um, it's difficult for me to, you know, uh, um, forecast when those negotiations will be completed, but you will definitely some, see some benefits uh, in Q2 and potentially in Q3 and future quarters. Um, I, I, at this point, I can't quite quantify it because, as I said, uh, the majority of the conversations with the larger landlords have not been finalized. Uh, that's helpful. I was just wondering more on the seasonality, so that's helpful. And then um, on the comment around e-commerce, you mentioned that that up 200% year-over-year was on a non-comp promotional basis. Is that excluding kind of the upside from additional promotional activity during that quarter, or how should we think about that comment? Yeah, so specifically in the quarter, and you will remember in Q1 2019, we had a moving sale. We refer to it on other calls as the warehouse sale. So this is a sale that was held online and in stores last year when we moved to our new distribution center. So it was a pretty substantial sale that we had in the quarter, um, including things like additional 50% off a lot of products. And so when we look at our promotions during the quarter, um, well, we actually were not as promotional as we were in previous years predominantly because of that one specific event. Um, the promotions that we did have on were relatively comparable with the other promotions that we had on during, during the quarter. So that's really the specific non-comp that we've called out given the magnitude of that uh, last year. 
Okay, that's helpful. And then in terms of your e-commerce fulfillment, I understand some of it used to be done uh, from stores as needed. Um, kind of how are mm-hmm. you doing that now in terms, you know, obviously a lot, obviously during the closure, there's likely out of the warehouse, but, you know, yeah. were you able to find that that was more efficient? Like how did that compare to in-store fulfillment and how are you thinking about that whole fulfillment aspect going forward? Yeah, so we're currently happy with the performance of the way our DC function. As you mentioned, when we were credit stores closed, all the fulfillment went through our DC. So obviously the impact of that is that you see a lower number of shipments per order as you're seeing everything come out of one central location as opposed to being split across multiple different locations. What the benefit is of now having our stores open is the fact that with our stores open, we have access to inventory that previously we wouldn't have access to at our DC. There was some inventory that we shipped out to the stores um, that we did not have in the DC and therefore we could not access. So the benefit of now having the stores open is that our customers are able to access some of the products that previously sold through online from our in-store network. And so that has benefited us in different ways. Okay. And then one last one for me, just on the mix. I think you indicated earlier that a lot of the, or some of the sales uh, during the quarter were shifted to some higher margin product. Um, obviously, you know, some of the product offering that you have fits well within the current sort of environment with work from home and stuff. How are you thinking about the mix that you're seeing sort of now that things are starting to reopen and what's your expectations for, you know, in terms of, the kind of product that you were selling in comparable periods last year, do you still see the mix shift going towards some higher margin stuff? So I'll take that as a starting point, and then Mona can add on any further comments that she has. The, the benefit of being Roots, I'd say, today is the fact that we really have a, a strong position in the comfort segment. And as people have shifted the way they work and shifted work to working from home and shifted towards doing more leisure activities in a casual setting, we've definitely seen a benefit to our sweats category um, and other products along those lines that have benefited from the shift towards comfort. So as we go forward, we do anticipate a continued trend towards that. And as we shift into the summer months, we're seeing shifts away from things like you know, just sweatpants and just shorts and sweat dresses, which obviously are more suited to the seasonal business. So that's what we think of the, the shift continue on a go-forward basis, and we do anticipate the benefit from that. Um, I think, Mona, do you want to add anything around the, the different nature of products you mentioned previously? Um, I think, you know, the only thing that I would add to that, I think your question was uh, also specifically around as the stores have opened, what are we seeing customers buy in store? Um, You know, the seasonal inventory that we had in the stores while they were shut down, the customers haven't seen. So as they're coming in, we're getting through that inventory as well. Um, So I, I think, I think that's encouraging. Great. Thank you. Patricia Baker with Scotiabank. Your line is open. Oh, thank you. And good morning. Uh, Megan, I couldn't, didn't quite catch everything you mentioned in your opening remarks with respect mm-hmm. to the partner's business. So can you just walk us through um, you know, what the partner's business looked like, let's say, from February through to June? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so when we look at our partner's business, they were obviously hit in advance. Our partner's business breaks into multiple different segments as a starting point. We obviously have operations in Asia, we have wholesale, we have B2B, we have licensing. We specifically referenced our operations within Asia, they were obviously hit earlier than us as uh, COVID-19 affected that region in more of the January, February time period and throughout to March. So what we saw was we saw closures that were stores in China, sorry. And then we also saw, um, we didn't see store closures in Taiwan, but we did see significant reductions in traffic. Within the quarter, we saw all of our stores in China and Hong Kong reopen. Uh, and again, the Taiwanese stores were always open during that period. But we did not see traffic levels return to pre-pandemic levels. So we did see sales declines in those specific regions. We're obviously seeing different trends as we come out of the quarter, but again, it's uh, relatively early for us to disclose um, the overall trending in those two markets. Okay, that's helpful. And then just uh, two small um, uh, points here. Um, you, you did say that you didn't pay the April rent, so or is, did 
does that imply that you paid your May rent? Um, in terms of May rent, we've made it in some places. We've paid it in some places, and we haven't paid it in other places where we have negotiations uh, concluded. Okay, and then the the switch in the the the, the mix to the to, to the to the sweats. Just um, curious whether you saw any differences in the male or female category. It was pretty pretty even across the board. Um, we saw a little bit of a pickup in our men's category. Uh, I think as more men are working from home, the one thing that they're seeking is comfort below below the screen with the different pants. And so we we did see a big pickup in our sweatpants in the quarter. And as I mentioned, that that changed a little bit as we went into the summertime periods where we switched to more more uh, sweat shorts and those types of things. Um, but pretty much the the split amongst women and men's is generally consistent uh, year over year. But we did see more of a pickup in, as I mentioned, the sweat items, especially when you're thinking about what you can wear for conference calls. Okay, thank you. Again, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. Matthew Lee with Canaccord, your line is open. Hi, good morning. Um, I may have just missed it, but did you highlight the drag from the U.S. segment on EBITDA uh, versus Q119? Um, yes. So the losses that were in Q1 of this year related to the stores were $2.1 million, uh, and then that compares to $1.1 million last year. Right. But then I'm, I guess going forward, you know, beyond Q1, now that the stores have been uh, closed, you know, that 1.1 million drag per quarter or, or, you know, adjusted for seasonality should kind of come come off and be a benefit for the, for the next uh, three quarters. Yeah, so we won't have any losses related to, the store, uh, to those stores in future quarters, um, and uh, the total losses for the U.S. stores are about $6 million last year. So you would expect that, that, that should go away. All right, thanks. I appreciate it. Again, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star 1. Matt Bank with CIBC, your line is open. Hey, good morning, thanks. Um, are you able to, to give a sense of how revenues are tracking since the end of Q1? And if not, um, can you talk about how sales trended through the month of April? Um, definitely. So in terms of the month of April, um, obviously the stores were closed, and uh, as Megan mentioned, uh, we did see a pickup in our e-commerce uh, business of uh, about 200% once uh, you remove the non-com promo of the warehouse sale. Um, so that's for April. In terms of in uh, May and June, uh, you know, it's early days. We've uh, opened our first stores in mid-May, and we're monitoring it. And as I mentioned previously, we're seeing mixed results, depending on where the customer is at um, and how they're shopping and where they're, sh they're showing up. Um, so, you know, it's, it's been... Um, it's been um, it's been different um, in terms of uh, some of the metrics that we're seeing improvement on uh, our conversion. Uh, obviously, the customers that are showing up in stores are converting uh, customers, and they're coming with high intent to buy. Uh, so that's encouraging for us. Okay, that's it for me. Thanks. There are no further questions at this time. I would now like to turn the call back over to the presenters for final remarks. Thank you, operator. That concludes today's call. Thank you again for joining us, and we look forward to updating you on our progress when we report our Q2 fiscal 2020 results. Have a great day and stay safe. This concludes the Roots Fiscal 2020 Q1 conference call. We thank you all for your participation. You may now disconnect.
Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.